to the Internal Medicine for Vet Techs podcast. If you haven't joined us before, we're passionate about all things internal medicine and helping you become the best tech you can be. We'll be discussing interesting internal medicine diseases, how to work closely with pet parents, and how to become the go-to tech in your practice. Now, let's start the show. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the Internal Medicine for Vet Techs podcast. Thanks so much for listening and making a commitment to learning. Hope everybody is doing well. I am your host. I am Jordan Porter, joined by the sleepy yet fabulous Yvonne Brandenburg. I am sleepy this morning. We're recording very early because I'm training in the hospital this week and, 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 um, (laughs) and I, forget to plan these things. Cause normally we record like during the week and it's no big deal. <laughs> um, but I was like, Oh yeah, I can't do that tomorrow. And mm-hmm. both of us have like hella plans for the weekend. So yeah. So I was like, well, I can try getting up really early. Yeah. I think we both dropped the ball on that because then too, we're preparing to go to ACBIM here shortly as well. And so it's like, yeah, we're running out of time. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Well, and and I think part of it too is uh Saturday. So this will be the past Saturday once you listen to this is our uh monthly CE. So I just I have stuff because we're talking about um IMPA this weekend and like we have our notes from the episode and and I've done some other stuff. I just have to get it all together and make it look pretty. Mm-hmm. Um I still have to do my ACVIM. PowerPoint notes and so, like it's mostly done. I just want to revamp it a little bit. Yeah, same here. Mine's I, I, for ACVIM because I think we have to upload something Monday. We can edit, but we have to have something up on Monday. Um, yeah, so most of it's done. I, I'll probably still do some tweaking between. <laughs> between now and like when I lecture on that Thursday <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> which I mean it's funny because like they know they know how speakers are that we do this like we tweak until like <laughs> the last possible minute um if you want to call procrastination tweaking that's fine <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 exactly um but yeah we have to like have something up on Monday which is fine it's not it's not a big deal but um I'm excited that ACVM is going to be fun. I'm excited to go to Texas because oh, like, man, the only place in Texas I've ever been was San Antonio, which I want to go to again someday. I'm freaking like as a kid, I loved San Antonio and thought it was beautiful. So I imagine as an adult, I'll probably like it more mm. um, because like, See, remember, I've only been in the airports. <laughs> I really like, I remember thinking San Antonio was amazing when I was a kid. Mm. And so we're going to Austin and I'm excited because I've heard fabulous things about Austin. Yeah. I've heard a lot of good things about Austin and it's cool. Cause we get a couple of extra days, um, in the beginning of the week that aren't jam packed. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So we have all of Monday and then Tuesday, I think things start on Tuesday. A few things start on Tuesday, but we only have like the morning filled on Tuesday. So then we have basically all of Tuesday afternoon to just wander around. I thought it was the other way around. No, because the test is in the morning. Oh, are you part of the test? No, you are. <laughs> I don't, I don't think I am. Oh, 
Well, then but there's a meeting, I think, Tuesday. I, don't I think, think the board I... meeting's on Tuesday. <laughs> See, this is this is why we eventually have to look at the schedule because I'm gonna miss stuff. You're right. No, you're stuff. right. The the board meeting oh, is on Tuesday because I just did the notes for the meeting and then yeah. the general membership meetings on Wednesday. Yeah. And then we're doing the tech. I love tech case reports. So I don't know if you guys have never been to like a large conference, I think tech case reports have become more and more common, especially um, those conferences that are associated with any of the academies and their tech case reports are so much fun because um, it gives an opportunity for people who've never lectured an, uh, an opportunity to do so in front of a very friendly audience um, because we all know you may not have done a lot of presenting before. Um, and so, you know, and giving like a case report is always super fun. Like I've seen some really cool cases over the years. Um, and so, well, I, 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 I have like a special place in my heart for tech case reports. Um, so those will be on Wednesday. And then I think officially lectures start on Thursday. So we have Thursday. Right. Then Friday is more lectures. I think I lecture Friday. Yeah. No, you lecture no. Saturday. No, Saturday. you lecture Friday. No, I lecture Thursday. Oh God. See, <laughs> this is why we have to write everything down. Like the very uh, first lecture of the technician track on Thursday. Oh, okay. Okay. Aside from the whole like, so you want to be a VTS like lecture early in the morning. I'm the first like actual lecture. Nice. Yeah. So and speaking of the do you want to get your BTS lectures? Also very good. And I recommend it if you're thinking about going to get your BTS. Um, and then we're both manning the um, tech lounge at some point. Friday night is the BTS dinner. Mm-hmm. Which I, I'm so looking forward to that because I love getting together with everybody. Um, Saturday, I think you leave early. I lecture Saturday. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's just a jam packed week, but we get to geek out with everybody, which is so much fun. <laughs> it's going to be a busy week. It's going to be like, I'm going to come home and just crash from being like so introverted all week that like my introvert yeah. self is be like, you're done for six months. <laughs> I know. I know. Like the introverts like, Whoa, your battery is gone. You annihilated it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to have to like mentally prepare for it just because <laughs> I'm not in an extroverted mood right now. So like, I, know. I, I have to prepare. Have you ever taken those tests? I know this is random and like, this is our banter at the beginning here, but have you ever taken the test to see like, if you're more extroverted versus introverted? Oh, hundred percent. I'm taking those tests. I take all sorts of personality tests. Are you kidding me? Such but like weirdo. mine was like, <clears throat> I was like, I'm 51% introverted and 49% extroverted. So it's like, really? Yeah. My dad's huh. the exact same way. I was like, I didn't know that was a thing where you could literally just be borderline either, but it makes sense because I very much have modes that will last like about a week where I'm just like, let's go out and let's go do things and let's be around people. And then, but yeah. for the most part, I'm definitely. Well, and it's, it's interesting. Cause like, for me, it's definitely evolved. Like when I was younger, um, I definitely had a higher percentage of introvert mm-hmm. than now. Um, and I Same. think part of that is because I forced myself to be more extroverted because it was painful. It was painfully introverted as a kid. Um, but I, I also, 
you know, I enjoy it, but it definitely drains me. So mm-hmm. like I have extroverted tendencies, but it, it is not like, it, it does not fill me up <laughs> like an extroverted person being with a bunch of people fills you up and gives you energy versus introverted is, you know, you want to be by yourself in a quiet environment and that's how you recharge. Yeah. But then you have your tendencies. Like if you have extroverted tendencies, you're still okay being extroverted. It just doesn't like fill up, fill you up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, so my dad brought over, like my dad, my parents are moving. So my dad brought over some old paperwork of mine, like from when I was a kid and like from when I went to, like stuff that I don't need, but I went through it anyway. And yeah. uh, one was like a progress report from when I was in like elementary school. And like, Aww. And, um, it was like a note from the teachers to my parents saying that they're concerned about my lack of participation in class. And like, I'd never talk. And like, I don't, I don't, I had good grades and like I comprehended everything, but I wouldn't be involved in like the class itself. And like, I, I was just so introverted that like, even as a kid, teachers were like, you are very, very quiet. <laughs> and like, it Aww. was, they had some concerns about me for sure. Oh, <laughs> little baby Jordan. Yeah. You should see. And these- look at us now. We're on a podcast. <laughs> if you would have said like to me five years ago how like describe me to myself five years ago I'd be like you're full shit (laughs) yeah seriously I know it's it's funny because um I was terrified of speaking to people when I was a kid um like I like my mom would be like here's a dollar go get change and I'd be like nope like uh uh-uh and then um food at a restaurant and you're like I don't want to <laughs> you're like no yeah <laughs> and then I remember when I got the job as a teacher I was like this I, I just have to get over it like because I'm gonna stand in front of people and lecture yeah and that I mean it was terrifying but I learned so much from doing that and I'm, I'm so glad because now it's like oh speak in front of people great mm-hmm. <laughs> not I think a problem that- more extroverted honestly because he's an extroverted person for sure like he's probably like a solid half and half because he enjoys being home and like away from people but like when he's around people he's very bubbly and like can talk to anybody Mm. Uh, and like so he kind of forced me out of my my bubble when we were married because we married super young obviously too so it's like I learned how to communicate with people even when I didn't want to, like, we'd be like in a grocery store and he'd be chatting away with these people. And I'm like, holy crap. Same with my husband. Like we'd go places and everybody would know his name. And I'm like, how, how do you, how does everybody know you? Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny because my husband and I were in the same class in high school and like, we've met some of his friends and they're like, Oh, where did you go? And I was like, I was the same year as you at the same high school and they were like oh, oh. <laughs> and I'm like ah, this is so funny <laughs> oh how we grow <laughs> trying to do this like impromptu like 15 year reunion um oh like and it happens to be the weekend that I'm going back up to Ohio and I was like oh god <laughs> oh you're like no <laughs> I don't know how I feel about it. Uh, first off, it makes me I old. 
I didn't go to any of my reunions. I'm like, no, it's cool. I haven't gone to any, but like, I'm happy that they include me because technically I graduated a year before them. Even though I grew up with them, I just like skipped my senior year um, Mm. and graduated when I was a junior. And so like, it's nice that they still include me, even though I didn't actually graduate with them and I graduated with Matt's class. Um, That's funny. So I don't know. Oh, yay yay growing uh, up yeah it depends on how little energy I have after ACBM because I'm going up to Ohio like two weeks after that so we'll see oh yeah yeah oh. Woo. Out from like all the energy expulsion <laughs> <laughs> right anyway well this week yay we have some like really random topics. <laughs> no, like they all kind of go together, but not really. Like, <laughs> right? <laughs> so this week we're talking about blastocytosis. Dun dun dun. That's all yeah. I got. <laughs> well, I was trying to. I'm trying to read the notes because it blastomycosis is def, it's a fungal disease, right? Blastomycosis. So, what is it? It's a fungal disease, and it's caused by uh, blasto blastomyces dermat. See, we we're just messing with this, and I'm going to get it wrong again. Dermat dermatitis. 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 I don't know. It's just blasto. Let's be real. <laughs> we'll just call it blasto from here on out, guys. <laughs> yeah. So it's a fungus, though, that's um, typically found in soil or decomposing organic matter. And it made me think when I was doing these notes, too, I was like, I have like decomposing like manure out in my yard. Yeah. Yeah. And the goats. Um, but obviously it's organic matter. So things such as like leaves, which I have a lot of like leaves and pine straw and stuff like that. Um, and it's actually what it does to the body is and how we recognize it is it, um, forms this infection that forms like a polygranulomatous lesion. And these lesions can be in various tissues, typically though, in the lungs or the skin. Um, Mm. so there's like, I feel like the skin is like, oh, okay, cool. But the lungs are like, ah. (laughs) Yeah. I hate when there's fungus in the lungs. It's so hard to clear. And half the times. We've talked about fungus. Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah. And like, um, it's weird because I I think we've talked about this previously too, is like on x-ray, fungus in the lungs looks a lot like cancer lungs. And so part of a, part of me wonders how many dogs and cats get euthanized for cancer that could potentially be fungus. But devil's advocate here, like, is that really like a bad thing? Because it's so hard to treat and cure anyway, that like, even if it's mistaken for cancer, like the prognosis still sucks. Yeah. So true. So it's like, I've only seen like maybe one or two that have had really bad, like things in their lungs like it clear i mean they're on the medication for the rest of their life but it looks better (laughs) just given like fungal cases that i've dealt with like i don't i think i've seen one blasto case my entire career and it was yeah it was diagnosed and then the pet was euthanized like we didn't 
treated or anything like that. Like the people were just like, no, like, cause it was pretty, it was pretty significant. Um, and so it's just one of those things where like, even if it is misdiagnosed as cancer, like, I don't, I don't think that's wrong. <laughs> yeah, no. And I think in it, I'm pretty sure we've talked about this before too, is it's almost like when we tell clients, oh, it's fungus and they go, oh, it's not cancer. Thank God. And you're like, oh, I think you're getting a false sense of hope here. Yeah. <laughs> um, fungal is so easy to treat and it's just not like certain fungus. No. Like when it's in, what's in anything invading the lungs is difficult. <laughs> right. You can't, can't really get rid of it easily. Yeah, that's true. And just given some of the fungal cases we've discussed recently, it's still not easy. Like ringworm seems to be the easiest fungus to clear. <laughs> like right. Asper's okay. Like it's, there's a chance and like, Ooh, but then yeah. there's a chance it'll come back and I've seen it come back and it's like, 100%. But that, luckily it like stays to the nose kind of thing. Like it's just for mm. the most part. Most, most of the times. Yeah. So it's like, if you're going to have a fungus, like out of all the, like, like not including ringworm. ringworm. <laughs> right. But if you're going to have a fungus, I, w- I feel like I would prefer Asper over everything else. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the problem with the Asper is if it's not treated early enough, then you get like the cribiform is not intact yeah. and then you get it in your CNS, which is all sorts of bad. But, but yeah, asper for the most part, yeah, it's, it's usually just like upper respiratory, although we have seen it in other places and it's not as common, but yeah, but blasto it's funny. Cause blasto, I think we don't see a lot of it in my area. Cause again, yeah. I'm in California where it's really, really, really dry. Yeah, so so, <laughs> so blasto is not a California one. <laughs> and typically, so Blasto's typically limited to the North America. So I'm sure we're going to have some of our like overseas people being like, what the hell is Blasto? And like, right. <laughs> I mean, that's uh, how I feel. And I'm not even overseas. <laughs> yeah, right. But typically, so like Yvonne says, she lives in a very dry area. So typically where Blasto is found is ironically, not ironically, but like, because it makes sense, but like around like beaver dams or other habitats where this, like the, the ground and the soil is moist. Um, it also needs to be acidic and rich in decaying vegetation. So like, mm. I think of like woods or forests where it's just like, there's constant yeah. things that are happening. Um, just not around me. <laughs> yeah. Um, but as, as common as that, like type of environment sounds, Blasto is actually pretty difficult to find in the environment. Um, mm, interesting. It has been found in like pigeon and bat feces. So, which I don't uh, think it's being like in the woods in like where I would think Blasto is. No, well, but, but bat feces definitely. Yeah, for sure. And um, it is interesting because, um, not that I'm a huge gardener, but my husband, he's been like making his own soil recently and he gets bat guano and that's bat poop. Yeah. And I joke all the time. I'm like, you don't know what's in there. You should definitely wear gloves. And he never wears gloves and it's so gross. And then he washes his hands because he's a dude. He's like, that's yeah, fine. I'm like, oh, how am I black? So. And then um, typically what will happen too is like when it rains or when there's dew or there's fog, 
um, it can actually like kind of like release the um, like the, the organism and then it's aerosolized and inhaled. And that's typically where our pets will get it from. Um, mm. Fortunately, nothing can be done to eliminate the fungus from the environment. Um, yeah. It, it lives everywhere, despite the fact that it's hard to find, <laughs> like it's there. Yeah. <clears throat> and, and, so, and I don't know, does, did, did you, did you see in like your, your research stuff? Cause I know with aspergillus, um, because it is in the nose, we see a lot of like, if they're digging in things, right. And they get, they inhale it. And then having like the long nose, like nasal cavity tends to be, no. No, okay. so it didn't seem to be specific to like a type of dog or cat or animal. Um, <laughs> it's just like, hi, I'm a spore. Let's go. <laughs> so basically what happens is like, it'll rain or it'll be foggy. It's just like moist in the air. And so it's kind of like aerosolizing that fungus into the air. And then a lot of times when like the respiratory um functions of the pet are like overwhelmed or suppressed then like the mm-hmm. disease will occur and spread from the in like into the lungs and then kind of spread out um that makes sense it can happen too though where like skin lesions or cutaneous lesions can happen when there's primary entry through the skin so like if a dog has a cut in the paw or something like that and walking through an area mm. um and so that that can occur and in my opinion, I feel like that's better than inhaling it, but like, yeah. Um, here's the thing though, that I wanted to put on here and I'll probably mention it again down in cautions is like needle stick injuries though, do occur to veterinary personnel, usually after like aspiration of like a, a skin lesion. Um, and this can cause a primary cutaneous infection in humans. The silence is me like, freaking I thought you were out frozen. in my brain <laughs> I was like ah what do I do with that Ugh. yeah that sounds horrible I mean it's bad enough when you stick yourself after you've like been in an animal <laughs> but fungusy animal and then you're transmitting fungus to yourself Ugh. yeah that's horrible so- Anyway, so most commonly affected include like include our dogs and cats and people. I threw that on the list. Um, I thought this was just interesting information. It's not necessarily relevant to the podcast. <laughs> to our episode. Um, other animals that are less commonly infected include sea lions, which made me think of when I was in California. Um, dolphins. they did not have blasto girl. That was, I don't even know what they had, but it wasn't blasto. <laughs> dolphins are included in the list, but specifically bottlenose dolphins. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Okay. African lions, even though it's mostly limited to North America, um, wolves, hmm. which I'm not surprised about just at all. Environment. Deep horses. Um, they can all get blasto as well interesting yeah yeah i found some cool information during research so typically the common signs that we're going to see when these pets present to us include things like fever uh actually some of these symptoms kind of caught me off guard but like 
the ones that I expect are like fever, cough, anorexia, weight loss, lymphadenopathy. Of course, then we get into dyspnea as it progresses. Right. Ocular disease, though, I don't think I recognized, but I guess I get it. Mm. Um, lameness and then even skin lesions. So ocular disease and lameness kind of throw me off a bit. <laughs> like, Yeah, I could see the lameness like if because I've seen... I've seen fungus invade bone yeah, and like destroy bone. Um, so I can see lameness if it gets into the bone marrow or anything like that. Ocular disease. I mean, that's, that's kind of crazy actually, if you think about it, I mean, it's a fungus. It can do whatever the hell it wants. Right. So getting into, getting into the globe of the eye and then. It's not good. And then on physical exam, a lot of these guys, depending on what's involved, if it's lung involvement, then what we'll hear is dry, harsh lung sounds, um, typically from the the lung lesions that are caused by the fungus. Um, Pulmonary involvement is pretty commonly seen. So we can see it in as many as 85% of affected dogs. Um, And then of course, when it becomes severe enough, then it indicates a poor prognosis, but we can see hypoxemia um, just because it, yeah. it's invading too much lung tissue that dogs can't oxygenate very well. Mm. Um, lymph node involvement is seen in about half of the affected dogs, uh, which is mm. ironic, like not ironically, but it, it's about the same proportion as the dogs that have skin involvement too. Um, Makes sense. Drains yeah. to the lymph nodes. Yeah. Uh, And like, I don't know. I mean, of course, when you have that much going on in the body, like, of course, the lymph nodes are going to react. Yeah. Yeah. Our skin lesions will typically look like uh, proliferative granulomas, um, or they can even develop into like subcutaneous abscesses. And these abscesses will then ulcerate and drain, um, which the drainage typically looks serosanguinous. And then... Uh. uh, a lot of times, though, these skin lesions are very small and multifocal, but uh, large abscesses are occasionally seen, mostly in cats. Ooh. Um, so a lot of times, though, when we're seeing skin involvement, uh, we'll see these lesions on, like, the nasal planum, the face, and nail beds are typically most commonly affected. Uh, and then these lesions can be few to numerous. They can vary in size. They can be irregular, firm. Um, when, I mean, we wouldn't visualize this on physical exam or x-ray because like <laughs> there's, yeah, it's like, oh, this is probably necropsy, necropsy style, but the lesions within the, the pulmonary system can be grady yellow, um, Ugh. nodules in the lungs and in the thoracic lymph nodes. So yuck yeah i've seen i've seen in surgery i've seen fungal masses i i don't remember what kind it was but i remember being like that is not a normal color like at all (laughs) um and i remember we were like "Ooh, that you know what i bet you it was blasto it's probably like the one blasto i saw um because it was like all along the um the lymph nodes in the mesentery 
And so we just, we were like, oh crap, it's cancer. And then we looked and we're like, wait, that's weird. They were like this like gray yellow color. And we're like, that's not normal. Also not good, but yeah, it was, it was pretty crazy. And I guess this part makes sense to the symptoms that we previously mentioned, but like when this um, fungus disseminates, it can affect uh, the bones, eyes, and the skin. So yeah, that would, that would make sense with the lameness and the ocular changes. Ooh. Um, yeah. And we, we kind of already touched on what the cutaneous lesions look like. Uh, yeah. Which can get bad. Yeah, they can uh, get gross. I know that. Our differential diagnosis list obviously is going to be things like neoplasia. Uh, and all I, sorts of other fungus. <laughs> it really depends on where, like where the main symptoms are, right? So like, of yeah. course, if we have pulmonary involvement, then we're going to be thinking heart disease, uh, pneumonia, aspiration pneumonia, <laughs> like right. um, asthma, pulmonary hypertension, things like that. Versus if we have cutaneous lesions, then we're going to be thinking a normal lymphoma, lymphoma. <laughs> <laughs> like uh, nail bed infections, just cutaneous uh, infections. Things. Yeah. I'm not a fan of blasto just because it's just so bad. It's just, so yeah, bad. I, I just, I think that in general for fungus, I just think it's almost like, yes, you can get it under control, excuse me, control, but most of the times you don't fully clear it unless you, unless it's like a localized thing and you can cut it out. And exactly. hope that it didn't why, spread like, anywhere else. It's okay because, like, typically, it if you catch it when it's still pretty localized to just the nasal cavity and it hasn't invaded bone or anything like that, yeah, you can you can typically get rid of it. Yeah, but I've also seen it come back even when we think we get rid of it. Um, yeah. yeah, it was like mm. it was hiding like behind some turbinate. Like it was yeah. just like you missed me. Yeah. Um, so our diagnostics are basics, of course, because we, we got to do a full workup. So comprehensive chem, CBC, T4, UA. Next step we're going to be doing is an x-ray. Of course, if there's any sort of like lung involved, well, we should be doing it even if there's not suspected lung involvement, right? Because we want to make sure there's not lung involvement. Um, uh, so a lot of times what we'll see on the radiographs, will be like non-calcified nodules or consolidation. And then we'll see like the lymph nodes, like the bronchial and mediastinal lymph nodes that are enlarged. And then there can be like the, the most common pattern that we see will be like diffuse nodular interstitial patterns. Mm-hmm. And then like sometimes we'll, we can see peribronchial densities, but um, also to like, because of what's going on within the respiratory system, like the bronchioles are, are greatly enlarged and they look like really dense masses. Um, yeah. And so those can make it look like we have like actual nodules in the lungs versus like, you know, that like snow globy effect that blasto can give on x-rays. Like, but sometimes it'll be like a snow globy effect with like these mass like lesions that are actually just enlarged lymph nodes yay yeah and then next step would be biopsy because uh a diagnosis can be made from biopsy 
or even an aspirate um, can be taken from the cutaneous lesions or whatever other organs are involved. Um, we can't, I mean, we have aspirated lungs before and like lung lesions, so. Oh, I hate that. Yeah. I mean, you can do it. It's not super fun, but yes. Yeah. And so what people will see on cytology of these or biopsy of these is like thick walled like yeast. Um, and they often have like budding cells that occur as well. This is kind of like above my head because I haven't seen blasto under the microscope. I don't. Yeah, I haven't either. Like at all. (laughs) Um, there also is an antigen enzyme immunoassay that has been used. Um, and it, what it can do, I've used this for prototheca, uh, but it can be used on both serum and urine just to detect like cell wall galactomannan. Um, oh yeah. Okay. I remember hearing uh, that. But it's like indistinguishable in histoplasmosis and blastomycosis. Okay. So like, although it can't tell you like which it is, it tell it helps you diagnose the presence of one type of well and it narrows it down too like it's like it's either these two or it's not these two so exactly like it's not cancer if you get a positive result but you either have histoplasmosis or blastomycosis yeah but it also rules out some of the other fungals too like so so that's a that's usually a good thing yeah there is also another blood test called an agar gel immunodiffusion or agid um, oh, yeah. And from these determine, like potential exposure. So the positive result doesn't really like, it doesn't necessarily mean that the pet has blastomycosis, but that they've been exposed to the fungus. Um, oh, interesting. Okay. Up to 30% of dogs though, with blastomycosis actually lack measurable serum ad- antibodies at the time of this blood test. So uh... interesting. I wonder if it's one of those things where the like because you're talking about like immune suppression and like that's how it kind of turns up i wonder if like the patients that have been exposed to it and have like a positive it's like their body recognized it and fought it off versus like their body didn't recognize it didn't fight it off they got infected and that's why we're not seeing those antibodies like it's kind of interesting when you think about like how the immune system works and stuff so Hmm. interesting interesting Yeah. So treatment for these guys typically, um, sucks. Um, and itraconazole, it it may require several months, usually like four to six months in most cases, um, to successfully treat the disease. Amphotericin B has also been used as well as ketoconazole or a combination of these medications. Um, clinical cure can actually be expected in about 70% of dogs. So that means like curing the clinical signs, right? Um, mm. But reoccurrence uh, can occur months to years after treatment. It's only been noted in about 20% of treated dogs. So that's huh. pretty, pretty good outcome, really. But like, I think obviously it depends on the severity at the initial time of treatment start, you know? Yeah, that's, that's kind of interesting because I feel like like I bet I you, mean, the- I haven't seen that many. So, but but in, I guess the ones that I've seen and heard of, it's like they're usually bad. <laughs> so, yeah. 
but I'm sure that in the areas where they see lots of blasto all the time, like they can get it under and control. And they probably, I was going to say, they probably diagnose it way earlier too. Exactly. Cause like, it's because- probably like on their radar. They're like, we know this is here. We see a lot of it. Yeah. So test for it early versus like, you know, in my area, that's not one of the first things we're testing for. Um, it's a little bit of like a unicorn <laughs> when yeah. we were like, we could test for it. We don't think it's this, but we'll test for it. So I'm sure statistics are coming from. So the prognosis obviously is going to be best for dogs with only mild lung disease or lung involvement, but obviously it's definitely going to be more guarded for those that have severe lung disease and even more so poor just for those dogs with CNS involvement. So once it- Yeah, if you get fungus in your CNS, done. (laughs) It's just so bad. It's the tip of the week. So tip of the week this week. um, Well, I guess it should be every week, but don't (laughs) stick yourself with a needle. (laughs) If you've aspirated and you suspect blasto or really any other fungus, um, but you know, in general, just don't stick yourself with a needle, but um, be very aware that if you do have like a suspected blasto, if you, happen to poke yourself I, <laughs> i'm like do you just cut it out just cut it out no um definitely flush it really well and just be hyper aware if you start seeing something funky <laughs> where you poked yourself oh gosh that would be and definitely i mean osha wise right make sure you report that you were stuck with a needle you should do it anyways, but just make sure you report it because if something does end up growing, you want to make sure <laughs> that it's reported. So, mm-hmm. and now for the question of the week. Question of the week. This week, I think, is going to be if you live in an area where you see blasto, I want to know like, is it something that you guys do treat pretty commonly and like pretty easily, mm. especially if not pretty early on? And like, for you, what is like the bad? <laughs> and you're like, ah, we don't know if this itraconazole is really going to work here. Um, mm. You know, like, I'm just curious because again, when I've seen it once, it's, which is crazy too, because like I live in a heavily like forested area and like, it's pretty moist up here. You think yeah. that would see it more, but um, I just didn't. And so when we did see it, it was bad. <laughs> like it's, that's yeah. when I've seen the x-ray that it's just snow globe and you're like, ah, it's everywhere. Right. Yeah. So that's huh. my question. I like it. <clears throat> yeah, that's it. It's kind of like a short episode, but it's like fungus. <laughs> right. You're like, yay, fungus, fungus, fungus. Yeah. So. Fungus among us. We ran through it pretty quickly, but if you guys have questions, obviously don't hesitate to reach out. I'm always keen to do more research um, if there's a specific question. So definitely don't hesitate to reach out. Um, other than that, next week will be, we won't be at ACVM yet, but we'll be heavily preparing for ACVM. <laughs> yeah. Pre-ACVM. No, when this goes, wait, when next week's episode goes live, we will be in Austin. This one goes live on the 14th. Yeah. And then the week after that is the 21st. So we'll be in Austin. Yeah, you're right. Ooh. 
Yeah, but it, like I said, it'll it'll go live pre early on ACVIM. So we'll do <laughs> the pre ACVIM recording somehow. Uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> like, um, and then we'll have like a post ACVIM episode. Yeah, super fun. Yeah, so. I'm excited. I'm excited. Thank you so much for getting your learn on. I appreciate everybody for listening. Again, reach out. Let me know about your Blasto cases and how they go. Um, let me know if you have more Blasto questions. And we will talk to you next week. Don't poke yourself with needles. <laughs> uh, have a great week, guys. And we'll talk to you later. Bye. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Internal Medicine for Vet Techs podcast. If you like what you heard, we'd love for you to share with someone you think might enjoy the podcast and make sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Want to give us a boost? Please leave a review on iTunes or your favorite podcatcher and we'll be sure to say thank you. Find out everything about us at internalmedicineforvettechs.com. Talk to you next week. Bye.